Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at the next Utah Jazz home game where there are free pop shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. Yeah, that's tonight. Tonight, the Utah Jazz are at home against the Portland Trailblazers, who are going back-to-back, PK. They beat the Spurs at home, 125-117. Neither Lillard McCollum was particularly hot. Just kind of had average games. They got to win tonight, man. If they don't win tonight, I wouldn't do any post-game interviews. There's nothing left to say. Never mind. Yeah. Just shut up. Just close the locker room. Quinn Snyder, I got nothing for you guys. Goodbye. We're out of here. I mean, you can't say anything more. What can you say that hasn't been said? I mean, I'm dead serious. What can actually be said... That hasn't been said the last week. I don't know what's going on, and I don't know what to do. But nobody can say that, so you're better off saying nothing. Yeah. I, it's bizarre. There's, there's nothing left pregame, postgame. It's all about the mindset of the guys to play the way they're capable of. Especially to close the game. Because I thought they did what they needed to do for three and a half quarters against Denver. I'd say, I don't think they ever put Denver away, though. No, they didn't. Obviously they didn't. They lost the game. Right. But it was. I never felt like, okay, this is over. Like, last night, BYU in Portland. That was over. Right. But see, also, we have a lot more respect for the Denver Nuggets than we have for a 1-9 team okay. in the West Coast I mean, Conference. you're right. You're right. The talent disparity I mean, 15 was points awesome. in the third quarter. You're doing everything you can, but there's a lot of possessions left. And the Joker's a really good player. This is the NBA. And it's the NBA. You got yeah. a 24 second shot clock. You got guys capable of getting hot and making three pointers. So you're yeah. doing everything right. I can't say anything, but it's still not over. I never felt that they were any form of comfortability. Not, Jamal Murray had it going on. But when you're up by nine with seven minutes left at home, even that you should su- win. You you're should. supposed to. But win. I don't. It's do, not a surprise that you didn't do what you do. And instead, on a night when they really didn't have that many turnovers, they suddenly had a flurry of them. No question. Yeah, yeah. And Denver, the the, the, the Dirk Nowitzki one foot lean thing by a. Looks like an overweight, pudgy center. <laughs> Somehow he does it, and he just... You got to tip your cap to the kid, because he's awesome. <laughs> Good on him, man. He is one heck of a player, and I find him very fun to watch, because he's doing it in manners that we don't normally see get it done. Uh, he he reminds me of the uh, the you know, magic and bird with uh, not being just this overly athletic specimen. Play on the ground. Yeah. You play on the ground. Although, yeah. although Magic, when he got it going, I mean, he wasn't high-flying, but he could run the break as well as anybody. Yeah. And that was fast. It doesn't... I don't think Jokic could Jokic could get anywhere near that speed. I mean, he, he seems like he's in slow motion. Even when he's bringing like the he's, ball up the floor, it, does, it seems like it's in slow motion. He's jogging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's playing old man at the gym basketball. But he gets it done. Uh, just really phenomenal ball player. So... They yeah, blew if you're it. out there rolling up a 30-20-10. Yeah, they that is that speaks for itself. They the, the Nuggets made some plays, but the Jazz blew it, and so now you've you've lost in different ways, and 
you say, okay, now we, we know about this, we know about that, and blah, blah, blah. So you've done all the talking. So for tonight's ball game, no talking. And and really, if they win, it should just come out in uh, two words, three words. It's about time. Oh. <laughs> That's about it. There's, there's really nothing to say. We all watch the games. We're back, baby. Everybody watches the games. The media who all do the interviewing, you're there at the game. And all, all of us in the media watch every one of these games. And we can see it. So there's, we don't really need them to say anything. And he said, I, I want Mitchell to get up there and say, yeah, well, we did what we were supposed to. Thanks. See you next, next <laughs> game. You know what I mean? We're done talking now. I don't want to hear, well, we got to do uh, this. You're done talking. Do fans are never done talking. They're never done hearing their heroes. Okay, fans, do you, uh, you agree with me or you say, no, I still want to hear them? No, they agree with DJ. I think they don't. I think we're done. We're past the point of talking. Everybody says everything. And the thing about it, too, this team is so doggone polite. We never have any friction, there's never any tension. Well, that we know of, I don't believe there's no tension and no friction. No, I'm talking about in the media, player, coach to media. I'm not talking about these guys behind closed doors, whatnot. That's uh, yeah, we've I've we hear of stuff, and so be it. I mean, we I've heard of plenty of stuff over the years, but I'm talking about there's never any. Like, why'd you ask that? It was a stupid question. Or uh, uh, and I've heard I've heard Quinn be irritated slash short demeaning and short. Demeaning? Demeaning? Yeah, yeah I think there's some media people that. Well, I I do think that he's warm towards some of the media people he didn't like. But I thought there were a couple of people he didn't like early on. Okay, but and I, don't I thought think he's they got demeaning. answers, and I thought they got answers to questions that he would have answered differently if someone else had asked it. Maybe so, but I still don't see him as demeaning. Mm. But that's just my opinion, and yeah. take it for what it's worth. Uh, Dismissive would probably be better. Oh, okay, okay. That's probably a better word than demeaning. Right. Although I wouldn't have wanted that, to be on the receiving end of that answer. I don't think he's been rude. Yeah, Which, borderline. But, but early days, but not I think now. Dimis- dismissive is different than rude. It can be. It can be. It's a fine line, but I get your point. Yeah. But and, there and, haven't and, been the full-on... Blow ups. No, no. You versus Majerus. Oh no, no, no. no you versus Croton. Yeah, it's Channel Two exploited me. <laughs> Elevated you. Elevate. I need Channel Two to elevate me. At that point, you were pretty much. On I your need way. Channel Two to elevate. Then- PK needs Channel Two to be elevated. Life elevated started in '93 when I moved into the state. Here we go. <laughs> it was only a matter of time before Channel 2 begged me to come on. You needed Channel 2 to get your free golf. Get beg your mug me. out there so people would recognize you. Channel 2 to beg me to come on. Standing, being some Jeez. anonymous beat writer whose name they knew. That was only a matter of time. I, I was just laying low because I wasn't ready for all the uh, mega amounts of stardom. I just think it was a building process. And now that I have it, I handle it so well, though. Very human. What was what was Dennis's line in the early days when they were building? We're not going to skip any steps. Skip any oh, steps. Dennis that Lindsay. was the line. Yeah. yeah, you weren't skipping any steps back then. 
I never skip steps. <laughs> I get my steps in every day. Beat writer to award-winning columnist to radio to TV. It was all building blocks. Tomorrow the world. <laughs> <laughs> right, Brad? Right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have, Brad? No talk. You're on the no air. No talk, PK. No talk, PK. Okay, there you go, Brad. How you doing, man? Good, man, on this soggy, rainy day. But I just have a question. I was watching the game against Denver Nuggets. They call a timeout. They draw a play up for that kind of play. How come Mitchell did not get the ball at the end? I just want to know, that was, a, that was the wrong call because Conley, he just comes up, picks and rolls, and shoots. And you got Mitchell is on fire during that game. He should have the ball in the hand. Go ahead, Coach. Break it down. I thought the shot was fine. And I didn't think Mitchell was on fire. Not that particular game. No. 8 of 24 and 2 of of 9. You know, it's funny. And you know what bugged me the most is he only shot one free throw. And he missed it. I know. And I get you're not always going to be hot, but be aggressive, go to the rim, draw fouls. You're of the stature now. You're going to start getting calls. Yeah, I think in that situation it wasn't late enough. He also only had one assist in the game. Yeah, it wasn't one of his better games. I mean, yeah, he struggled both the last in the week against Denver. So I mean, the numbers you, are what they are. Yeah, you go to Conley, who at that point was uh, six of twelve shooting the ball, and he missed it, so he's six of thirteen. I find the Conley thing very interesting because. That was their big off-season deal. Now, clearly Bogdanovich has been more productive. And that was the lesser of the two, right? But the lesser of the two is turning out to be, it reminds me like Robert Griffith III was taken with the third pick and Kirk Cousins was taken with the fourth pick with Washington. Well, Kirk Cousins ends up being way better, you know? And so Conley was the big off-season acquisition and Bogdanovich was the lesser, but Bogdanovich is ending up being much better. But the Conley thing... It's, I don't know this, but just and it's not like I have a full uh, instinct on it, but it seems like a little bit to me that jazz management, when I put Quinn Snyder and his staff into that equation, they're determined to get him going. Mm-hmm. And, and Locke said something that they it was on, I think, Tony in Austin, one of the shows, where he said, you know, if the Jazz are going to get where they want to go, Conley has to be a big factor. And I agree with Locke's statement 100% on that. So If they don't and, play him, yeah. if they go with someone else. Because there are other people saying, well, they're better, but if they go with the other group that doesn't include him, there's a ceiling then there. there's a ceiling, yeah. and they're going to bump up against it, and right. they're going to be done quickly. And Conley can, if you're going to get over the top, it's most likely going to be from with a major contribution from Mike Conley. So it seems like, and I don't know this because no one asked him this, did you draw that play up specifically for Conley to take that shot in that situation? Which if they did, I don't have any problem because I think I, I'm... Something kind of tells me, and I haven't spoken to anybody on this, so I'm not 100% sure, that uh, they want to have him have success. And so maybe they did draw it up for him, for him to have that opportunity to take that shot 
and help them win that ball game. That didn't win it, but that would have given you the lead, and who knows what would have happened after that. But it would have been a big shot. It would have been he's made some big free throws and whatnot and had some decent shots, but that probably would have been the biggest shot that he's made in the Jazz Uni uh, to help break, which then would have been a four-game losing streak. So something tells me that they want him. They're going to give him every opportunity to succeed because they know they absolutely need him if they want to get to the Western Conference Final. So I was thinking more about the conversation we had yesterday, and I was saying, you know, people were saying, hey, they got to move Madison. There's no way they're doing that. They are going to ride with him, see how much better they can get, and then maybe 15 games left in the season, you go to whatever your best lineup is, and that's the lineup you play. And you said they're going to be all in on Conley. Now, with 15 games to go, they may know that Conley's because things may have progressed to the point where that is their best lineup. Let's hope. Right. But you think even if it isn't, they're going to continue pushing the envelope, trying to improve. Quinn, you know, hey, we got 15 games to get better here. And they're very aware of what we talked about many times. However good you are in the regular season, great. But you're going to be remembered for the playoffs. Yeah. If you're a sixth seed and yet you still get to the conference final, that's all anybody's going to remember. So be playing your best basketball in the postseason. You were saying they're going to stay all in on Conley no matter what. And the more I thought about it yesterday, I thought you're probably right. If they, uh, to use the phrase you used yesterday when we were talking about it, cut his legs off <laughs> and go with another lineup and really you know demote him to a very small role, well, then that screams you're probably going to move him in the summer. Okay. But we've both heard that this has always been thought of as a two-year process. That putting a lot of new guys together and trying to year win one or win year one, yeah, gotcha. that doesn't usually work. I mean, you could have LeBron in his prime with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and they still lost in the finals and blew a two-zip lead. But it was worth it because they won the next two titles, and you got to invest. Right, and the Jazz right, are well aware, right, not right, only of that right. Miami example, but dozens of other examples. And they were always... Using this mantra, keep getting better, keep building, tweak the roster. The Clarkson trade yeah, is a good a million example. examples. Right. And they're going to, this is a two year plan. So the more I thought about it, the more I thought, boy, they would have to be really down to pull the plug with 15 games. You to know go. what it'll be if it comes to that, and I don't think it will? It'll be a Jake Heaps, Riley Nelson thing where. They kept waiting, waiting, yeah. waiting. They gave Heaps every chance And finally possible. even they were convinced, man, this really isn't yeah, going to work. Yeah, it, it was a desperate situation. And see, I don't think it's been bad enough, and I think this last game is an example, that totally. you don't go to that card you're talking about. But that's what it would take. That is what it would take. I don't think they'll get to that card. That's why I said I, don't, yeah. I think they're going to ride him out the whole season because of the fact that they do know that they've got this guy for two years, and... The way it works out, and Joe Ingles is the same age and everything, and and so they've got guys, they may not be completely, totally in their primes, but they're not over the hill, so they're looking at this as a two-year run. I mean, you look at uh, when they got Hornacek, you know, the second year they were better. Uh, Gasol with Kobe Bryant, the second year they were better. There's all sorts of uh, examples of that that just go on and on, and you get better as you go on, and so, yeah, they're going to ride him out, so... As I thought about that shot that he took the other night, I'm wondering, I don't know it, but I'm wondering if they want to have him have success. And Mitchell wasn't like he was just blazing on on fire that night, so he demanded the ball. And if Mitchell would have had the ball and taken the shot, I would have been fine with it, as long as it's a quality shot. The the idea is to get a quality shot. you got two or three options, if not three or four, that can make that shot. So get me a quality shot, and I'll live with the result, because you didn't lose that game on that quality shot not going 
going in. It was those turnovers and some other stuff that led to that point. So that you got a quality shot. It didn't go in. That's life. Neither Mitchell or Bogey shot the ball well in that game. Right. So that's what I'm saying. If those guys or Joe, any of those guys, that's three other guys, if they're all blazing – all right, that's another story. But it wasn't happening to where they just couldn't miss that night. And actually, statistically, Conley was having the best night in, in terms of shooting percentage. Yeah. Well, Clarkson, but he wasn't in the game. Well, he wasn't in the game, yeah. no. So, but I mean, those are the two I, I guys can't. who had it going. Right. I mean, uh, Gobert always has a high percentage. He's always well, if you get dunks. him with a dunk, then yeah. But, it, but it's, yeah. T- it's risky throwing it to him because they're going to foul him and then he's got to go to yeah, the line. Yeah, no, and you're probably so. not going to do that. So of the available options, I was totally fine with that because it was a quality shot. I'd rather have... The Jazz have good enough players to where they don't need the number one or two option, the number three or four option, if it's a quality shot. And say Royce O'Neal would have had that shot, I would have been fine with that too because they've got enough guys who can make an open shot. I'd rather have that than somebody who's higher up the pegging order take a contested bad shot. Now you're speaking Joe Ingles' language. Well, they've got enough guys and we've seen them play enough and I feel confident enough in being able to say that. And you're right. When we come back, David Locke, he joins us next. Chris Hill at the top of the hour. Stay with us. And now, attention. Top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz play the Blazers tonight, 8.30 ESPN. It's a late game for national TV. Jazz game night, the pregame show starts at 7.30. Blazers are going back-to-back. They beat the Spurs last night, 125-117. to The Rockets, small ball. It worked in L.A. against the Lakers. They win 121-111. A 41-point game from Russell Westbrook. Flurry of trades before the NBA trade deadline. The Warriors send D'Angelo Russell to Minnesota in exchange for Andrew Wiggins. College basketball, Utah needed overtime, but they beat Stanford at home, 64-56. to Brandon Carlson had 15 points, 10 rebounds, and he blocked eight shots. Utah's Cal tomorrow night at 6. BYU blows out Portland in Portland, 85-54. They host USF tomorrow at 7 on BYU TV. And the Aggies, 8 o'clock, CBS Sportsnet at home against Boise State tomorrow night. Jarek Harding, school record 44 points. He's also now the career scoring leader at Weaver State as they beat Sac State 70 to 66. Top of the wire, brought to you by Ken Garf Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram. Get a new Jeep or Ram for less at Ken Garf, West Valley Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram. Visit them today. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Color analyst for a Utah Jazz TV broadcast, Matt Harpring. Where's your level of concern right now? It's not high. It is tilting toward concern. Just because you, you got, what, 32 games left, and you want to stay away from that fifth spot. That's the spot that I think you want to try to do everything you can to get away from that. And so you can't afford to lose too many games because the West, the top six, those teams are going to be in it every single day, and you're going to be jogging for playoff spots. So, But if you just look at the last five, these are some winnable games that the Jazz have given away. You might can kind of say, okay, one of the games or two of the games, but when you do five in a row, there's more than just a little bit of the X and O's. There's a little bit of that effort thing that I was talking to you about earlier as well. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it is time to talk jazz basketball with the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. He joins us right now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. David, good morning. 
Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. How's everybody today? Good. Excellent. So the Jazz have got a five-game losing streak. Is there uh, anything in the numbers that just jumps out at you and says this part of the game they really need to improve? Or is it as simple as they need a confidence back, they need a little mojo, because they should have finished off that last game and we shouldn't be talking about the streak now anyway? Yeah, I mean, if they'd won that last one, which they should have, they really were not very sharp and didn't play with the same kind of gusto that the Nuggets did. Um, You know... We wouldn't be talking about it. I, I'm, I look at it more over the stretch of since Clarkson's there, so that's 20 games. They're 14 and six. They're about 14th or 15th in the league defensively. They're still number one in the league offensively in that stretch. Um, the numbers have kind of come back to life now. If you look at those, Joe's not shooting 50% from three. Royce is not shooting 50% from three. So I think the elevated numbers for a little while probably weren't entirely accurate. The numbers the last five games where Joe's shooting 20% from three and Royce is shooting 20% from three and the Yang shooting 20% from three are probably not accurate either. So kind of somewhere in between both of those, I think, and that's where I get, you know, they're 14 and six. They've not done well against above 500 teams, um, but they are, you know, overall, they're the second best differential in that time period. So I think there's a bigger sample, correct me if I'm wrong, of Joe not producing the same type of numbers when Conley is there. Is there anything that can be done to get Joe to, to produce better with Conley being in the lineup? So I went through and ran a bunch of numbers. He gets the exact same amount of front court touches when Conley's playing and what he does, and he's getting different types of touches. Really what the numbers say is he's, he's not bringing the ball up the floor, right? Like, you actually look at he's like behind 20 backcourt touches um, per game. So it's, you know, the 20 times a night where he, he brings the ball to the floor, he's doing that less. Uh, you know, frankly, I think he has to adapt. Uh, this team is going to be better with Mike Conley, and Mike Conley's a part of this team. And, you know, so Joe, maybe in a Joe's ideal world, Joe brings the ball to the floor and gets to play point guard all the time. That seems unlikely when we have three point guards. And so, as difficult as that is, and, and I'm not trying to say it dismissively, but I think that that's what he's going to have to do. He's got to figure out a way to get himself comfortable and, and stay engaged, and there are. I mean, I went and rewatched it. There's, there's you know, times where he comes down the floor and two or three times in a row he'll go down to the corner and maybe get one touch in that time period. And, and, and so he's not, you know, having that, that same engagement level as he had before. But he's going to have to, frankly, figure that out because – that's what are, you know. That's what happens on rolls. Sometimes you play on really good teams. So part of this is the Jazz need to win to climb in the playoff race, but part of this is, you know, what are the other teams in the playoff race doing? What do you think of Houston dealing Capella? Is that going to elevate them out of, a, you know, fighting the Jazz and the Nuggets and maybe the Thunder, you know, three, four, five, six, and all that? Is that going to elevate them up with the Lakers and the Clippers and have them battling for second in the West? I don't think it's going to elevate them that much. I mean, let's, let's make sure we understand the first thing they did. The first thing they did was get under the luxury tax, right? So one of the bigger stories of the offseason that people haven't really talked about is that when Russell Westbrook got traded to Houston, the way his contract read was that he got a balloon payment on the top front of, end of his contract, and the Rockets had to renegotiate that contract because they couldn't make the balloon payment. So when... The luxury tax comes up. You have to write a check in one huge, large amount. 
on, I think, July 1st when the luxury tax hit. The Rockets didn't have that money to do that. So the main thing they did is, if you look at that trade, you they the way that trade worked, they could be $7 million. They could save as much as $7 million on that trade, and they saved 6.9. So, yes, they've made a change, and they've gotten to this small lineup, and it's going to be really interesting. But the primary thing, their primary goal, don't kid yourself, was to get under the luxury tax. Now, why why do they trade Capella? Because they're playing more isolation with Russell Westbrook on the floor. Uh, gave him two non-shooters. And when, when Capella's off the floor, Westbrook gets 50% of his shot to the rim. And when Capella was on the floor, he got 36% of his shot to the rim. So there's a basketball reason, too, on the offensive side. And Mike D'Antoni said it. You know, we got to figure out how to get Russ going. And that's their primary goal is to figure out how to get Russ going. And we saw it last night against the Lakers. You have 41. You shade toward Harden. You flip it to Russ. He gets the drive to the basket. There's no big in the middle. And he, and he got to the rim, I think, for half his shot last night. So they're going to be a really tough team to guard. I think the league's going to have a few chances to look at it. The coaches in this league are brilliant. Adapt to it. Figure out what the rotations are going to be and how you're going to confront it. And... I think they'll still be very, very good offensively, but I think the the league will figure them out a little bit. I don't think they'll make a run if the Lakers or Clippers playing this way. I think it's creative. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm not in the camp of, oh, this is ridiculous or anything, but I do think it's worth noting the primary thing they did was get on the luxury tax. How about Morris to the Clippers? What do you think of that one? It's a good pickup. Gives them another body on LeBron, another body on Anthony Davis. I, I I don't think he's, you know, he's a far better shooter. Mo Harkless is a bad shooter. Mo Harkless does a lot of things well, but for what their playoff ma- matchups are going to be, it's pretty good. He can play center against the Rockets. Um, he's not a great rebounder. He's a little overstated in that. He's not an elite athlete. He's a little overstated on that, but he can really shoot it. Um, he's going to have to be willing to use less possessions. But frankly, they had a void there. They were playing Patrick Patterson and Jamichael Green and, you know, unless they slid LeBron or, or unless they slid, slid Kawhi or Paul George to the four, they really didn't have a four. So that's a that's a that's a good pickup, filling a void. Um, you know, I like they, they get a little thin without Mo Harkless. I still think they have a Lou Williams issue. One, he's not playing well. Two, he can't defend, um, and they don't need him. They don't need a high usage player with the amount of guys they have on the floor right now. But that team's really really good. Clippers did not, or excuse me, the Clippers. The Lakers did not move Kuzma. Do you think the Clippers are now a little better than the Lakers, regardless of what the standings say? Well, I think the Lakers are a better team than the Clippers. Um, I think they're long. I think they're defensively. They can do amazing things. I think the Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee combination, coupled with Anthony Davis and LeBron, and then Bradley and Caruso and Kuzma. I mean, they're just so long defensively. But when the two teams have played, Kawhi's better than LeBron now. So when they go head-to-head, there's nothing out there that shows that the Clippers aren't better than the Lakers when they play head-to-head. I think for the, I think the Lakers will be the number one seed. Um, I think the Clippers have not are not cohesive yet. Uh, but when they're in that playoff series, it does feel as though the, you know, the two times we've seen them play this year, the Clippers have been much better than the Lakers. Are the Nuggets, for whatever reason, a bad matchup for Mitchell? Sure seems it, doesn't it? Yeah. You know what? You know what I think on that game? And I'm I don't like I don't really know what I'm saying here. I don't remember that pick early in the game on Mitchell? Yeah. Like I don't think he was right after that. 
I went back and watched that second half. It was just a weird game by his his body his his body language wasn't normal. There wasn't even after the dunk, the big dunk he had on the lob uh, from I think Clarkson. Yeah, he didn't he didn't have his usual kind of bounce to him. I I think he really got jarred on that, and I I think he was just kind of off all night because of it. I don't you know. He went and shot after the game, so I'm not, you know, I must have felt all right. But I, I, I think that, I think he got jostled in some way there. I don't know what I'm, I don't know what. Like, um, and he's, you know, he's been battling some physical ailments that are not public that uh, may have gotten hit there. And, and so I, I just, just watching him, that second half was such a weird game for him. Stripped from behind by Monty Morris, Gary Harris getting out to that ball before him. Knocked away by Dozier in that late play. Those are our Donovan Mitchell plays. So, um, I mean, I do think there's two games in a row now where you have got him and Torrey Craig. He just simply did not score on Torrey Craig in the previous matchup, like zero points in 45 matchups. So that's, you know, that's the worst-case scenario for him. It's a six-seven guy who's as strong as he is, who is pretty athletic and can stay with him. That's, you know, if a team can do that to you and you're six foot one, that's not a Donovan Mitchell issue. That's That's every – small guard in the history of the NBA. Jazz have to play the uh, Mavericks here in a few days, and Porzingis has been going off with Doncic out. Uh, assuming that continues, I guess, number one, what does that say about the Mavericks? And number two, how does that impact the Jazz' ability to beat the Mavericks? It's interesting. Kristaps is going off a little early. Like, all the research I've done about players coming off an ACL, um, <clears throat> no matter how long it takes them and how long the rehab is, All-Star break, the backside of All-Star break always seems to be this kind of moment where they relax and then they take off and, and get kind of click in and get better. We even saw it with Dante. Um, so it's interesting because he's a little, you know, he's taking off here in February. The timing's the same, but I always thought it was actually the All-Star break itself. Uh, he's been He's been electric. Uh, and he's, you know, when he's good, he's as unguardable as any player we've ever had in the league at 7-3. So, I mean, Dallas is really, really good. They use their their auxiliary pieces as well as anyone in the league. Um, you know, Maxi Kleber and those guys. Uh, Dwight Powell's injury meant that they've had to change kind of how they're playing, and they seem to have found a comfort zone, and, when they, and they may get Luka back by the time we play them. So with these games leading into the All-Star break, is it really crucial for them to at least get a couple of them to get into some momentum going into the week-long break? I, mean, I think we need to beat a good team. Like I think the guys are probably – I haven't talked to them, but they're aware, right? They, they, they heard it. They've even commented. Everyone was saying we haven't beat good teams. and So they do. I mean, they, they listen. They know, what, they know what everyone's saying. So, um, yeah, I think it's important to go beat Portland tonight and see if you can go get one or two of those on the road and – I'll come back and, and try to get Miami and try to try to have some sort of a positive mojo going to the break. You know, it's funny. It's over this last half dozen games, the best team they played in the best, most fair circumstances was Dallas, and they won that. San Antonio and Portland have losing records. Houston and Denver, they played two stripped-down lineups. And the, when they lost at Denver, they were on the second night of a back-to-back. So... The whole narrative that the schedule has gotten a lot of tougher doesn't doesn't really ring true with me. It just seems more like 
after you win 19 out of 21, something goes wrong, you lose your edge, whatever it is, whether it's mental or physical. But blaming it on how hard the schedule has gotten, you can't really buy that. No, I agree. I mean, they should have won. Of the five games they've lost, I think they should have won four of them. You know, I think winning in Portland's hard. So maybe that's, you know, you're not going to win. Maybe they should have won three of them because you're not going to actually go into Portland and win both games this year, and you're not going to go to San Antonio and win both games this year. So maybe you should have got one of those two. Um, and then you win, and you probably lose in Denver. So they should have won three of the five of the games, of the games they've lost. I, I would agree with you. Are there any guys, whether they're not currently in the league or going to be bought out in the next few days, do you think that any of these teams in the West would be interested in any of them? I just ran through the buyout market um, today. I just kind of went through the depth charts of every team. Found very little. I'm assuming Sacramento got Alex Len because they want him. Um, part of the problem is that they're in the West, at least, most of the teams think they're going to make the playoffs, so... You know, the buyout is somebody, you know, James Johnson would be, con- like, if we believed yeah. he's really talented, he's really skilled, but he's got an extra year on his deal, so I don't think he's getting bought out. Detroit's clearly not competing anymore, so Marquise Morris is a possibility there. Cleveland, Kevin Love's not getting bought out. He's got, like, three years left on his deal. Tristan Thompson doesn't want to be bought out because he wants to be a free agent, and there's so little money on the market next year that it's better off for free agents to be with their team that has bird rights so they can do a sign-and-trade than going to a team and losing your bird rights and not being able to be used in a sign-and-trade for for real money. So it's disadvantageous for Tristan Thompson to get bought out. So, I mean, New York, I I doubt they'd buy out Bobby Portis. Um, I don't really understand why they would do that. So I ran through it, and I, I don't see a robust buyout market. China's interesting. I had read that with the coronavirus, they were going to release anybody from China that's under contract earlier than usual. But that's Ty Lawson and Lance Stevenson and guys like that. So I don't think there's a lot of players there. I, I don't see a robust buyout market. Um, when I looked at it today, I mean, it only takes one to miss it, but... Um, I, I suspect Detroit buys out Marquise Morris, um, and then you know who knows where he goes. He might decide he wants to go be back with his brother. They're very close. So, last thing before I let you go here, the Jazz have given up some really big runs when Rudy sits down, regardless of who they've gone to as the backup. Do you think that they start experimenting at some point with a lineup without a true center? And in a Houston game on Sunday could be the perfect opportunity to do it since Houston will be playing without a big anyway. So you go with some kind of uh, Joe Ingles and William Bogdanovich and uh, maybe Royce O'Neal and, and do some lineup like that and not have a big guy out there? I mean, I think you're right in the sense that Houston's the right time to do it, but like, who's rebounding? Royce and Joe. <laughs> I mean, Bogey. that's yeah, but Bogey. I mean, Mike, I mean, Mike Conley had eight rebounds he the other did. night, right? Yeah. I mean, I rewatched the game, and for all of it's really interesting to watch Bogey because, like, for all the things he does brilliantly, he's just not a good rebounder. Like, he's got his body on the guy, he's doing all the things he's trying. He just doesn't, he, he can't get off the body to get a rebound. Like, that's a skill. Right, out of area. We don't have a lot of guys that are out of area rebounders. In other words, where they go get a rebound. Um, you know, one of the key plays of the game in my mind was a long rebound, and 
Joe sort of tracked it, I'd say marginally, and Jordan Clarkson kind of mistracked it, and Torrey Craig got it. And that was a huge play. I mean, there was a bunch of million others, but we had a little run going right there and had a chance to – so I, I kind of could hear in your tone of voice, even as you were saying it, like, yeah, you're probably going to have to try it against Houston, but – like, so basically you're playing Royce O'Neal at 6-4 as your center. Well, we've heard Quinn multiple times talk about his defensive rebounding, so I would think he'd have to be part of that five-man lineup if they were going to, you know, sit Rudy and then not come in with one of the two backups. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you would hope that Tony Bradley could roll to the basket well enough to try to take advantage of a Robert Covington or a P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker's pretty stout, but... Um, yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence in us going to that lineup. I mean, I, question, we don't do zone, um, and I wonder whether we're going to start. The other question is, as everyone's going small, is Milwaukee's defense is really interesting. So Milwaukee just places Brooke Lopez in the restricted area, denies the rim, and lets you take as many threes above the break as you want. Like, we're going to guard the corners, but you're going to take as many above-the-break threes. If you go look at cleaning the glass, I think they're allowing a considerable more amount of, of percentage of shots as above-the-break threes as anyone in the league. It's working, obviously. They're the number one defense in the league. There are some massings that work to it, too. Um, it's a little risky, and it feels uncomfortable. They, lose, they lost to Philadelphia earlier this year on Christmas because Philadelphia went and hit threes. If you actually look at almost every single one of Milwaukee's losses, the opponents hit a season-high threes. Um, largely because they just been, they give them to you. I, I wonder if we're going to have to do something of that nature that's it's really uncomfortable, but just decide, you know what, if you're playing five out and we got Rudy, we're not letting you get to the rim, and Rudy's going to guard Russell Westbrook, and you're going to have to shoot 18-footers, or you're going to shoot above the break threes, but Rudy's staying at the rim. And it's wild to, in this, you know, this day and age to be willing to give up an open three, but Maybe maybe that's where you have to you have to go to if this is where the league's going. All right, but, th- oh, we but the league has gotten so good at taking away the rim that it's forcing teams to go small. David, we appreciate it. We got to run here. Thanks a lot, and we will uh, hear you tonight on the broadcast. All right, see you, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Stay with us, Doctor Chris Hill, former Utah AD, is going to join us in studio in the nine o'clock hour. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Former Utah Athletic Director Dr. Chris Hill joined us in studio for the 9 o'clock hour, but he is nothing if not prompt. He's on, he's on that whole Kyle Whittingham. If you're not 10 minutes uh, early, you're late. Yeah, Vince Lombardi was 15 minutes. So that's oh, really? Kyle. Kyle's oh, yeah. gotten soft in, in his, his old book. age. It's in his book that you have to be 15 yeah, minutes early or you're late. I've never seen Kyle late at, to anything. No, no, no. No, no. He's I, exact. I, everything, like, t- uh, to the... the, the, the uh, Recruiting thing, 2.45 started, which I thought was an odd time, 2.45. Yeah. 
245? He's walking in. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's just right. And, and then he, if you don't walk in, he'll call you out. Well, you walk in late, he'll call you out. Oh, there's no question. Plus, <laughs> if, if you tell him he, he needs a widget and he says, when? Yeah. And I learned after a while, about this time or about this date. Because if you said April 11th at 1045, you'd say, do you have it yet? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, so, I got you. So you stayed away from <laughs> dates and times with him. You Don't paint yourself into a oh, corner. Oh, no, 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 no. He'll know. He'll know. Well, we wanted to have you in uh, for multiple reasons, but certainly the reason to pick today is because tomorrow mm-hmm. it's going to be Cal. It's going to be the Utes, 6 o'clock, and you're going to be on. Are they going to do a pregame or halftime? Halftime. Halftime. Yep. So they can't hang a jersey for you. You're, you're an XAD. Yeah. So they hang a, a banner with your name with Rick. It was the sweater. Is there any... Well, you know, uh, they're going to do that. Uh, I don't know if they've told people what they're doing, so I don't know if I'm supposed to tell people oh, what okay. they're doing. Well, you... you know, so... Oh, they're uh, doing something. Then. They're doing something, you know, probably, you know, whatever, but it's it's pretty cool. I mean, it's very cool. It's yeah, because really they, got, they got Majerus, they got the players, they've got uh, Gardner as you're going up the tunnel right, right. there. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. you know, and Garner was before my time, but obviously I covered the Utes all those yeah. years and was there, and you always saw that. Right. And it always, I didn't know who he was, but looking at that thing for 10 yeah. years, you end up yeah. knowing. Yeah. I mean, that 50, 100 years from now, people are going to say, Chris Hill. Well, it's kind of, I told Dave on the, the air the other day that, you know, it's a corny thing that's cool for me because my grandpa coached at Rutgers for 32 years, one more than I did. He passed away before I was born, but, you know, the most valuable player award is called a Frank Hill Award, and there's big, oh, yeah. big, big stuff when you go and recognize him, and I go into my guys from practice and be able to say, that's my grandpa. Yeah. So I'm hoping now that my grandkids or other people be able to say, well, that's Poppy, and tell their friends and stuff. So it's really great. It's a, it's a great thing and matches anything, I think, that they could do for me, which is just wonderful. You're going to get emotional? Uh, I usually, my oldest granddaughter says, Poppy, are you going to get emotional? You always do. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. It depends. You know, it depends on the moment, you know, whether I'm going to be a real wise guy or if I'm going to be emotional. I can't I thought you've held, you, you know, in the retirement press conferences yeah. a little bit and then the bus, I thought you held it together pretty good. Yeah, yeah. A little up and down. A little up and down. But I'll do my best. You know, I don't want to ruin the game. Yeah, there you go. Not going to be a Jersey wise guy? Well, maybe a little bit. Am I? I don't know. I was thinking. BK says you can't help it. Yeah, I know. I, Not and, you personally. All Jersey right, people. Right. Yeah. Manny Hendricks. So, so I'm thinking. You know, I, I'm I'm probably going to wear a dress shirt and regular shoes, which I have. You know, I do that four times a year, and this is one of the four, which says how important it is. Dress, dress, how do you think? Would that be good? Down in Should I say that or not? I don't know. That could be my, one of my wise guy ones. So, you know, whatever there's works. A, there's a lot of truth to that too. You know, I have dress sweatpants on today. These are my dress ones. <laughs> nice. All right, we gotta we gotta take a break here. We're a little behind because we went long with uh, David Locke in the last segment. That one last question I should have never asked PK. I know, but I wanted to know. <laughs> I wanted to know. All right, more with the former Ute athletic director in a minute. Plenty of topics to hit with him, and we'll do that in the nine o'clock hour. Stay with us.